0: Hello and welcome to Hide to Obsessed. I'm your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and today you find yourself listening to another Ash and Pat episode of the Best podcast with a pineapple in the low Roll around. Today, we're going to be diving deep, yes pun intended, into some of the aquatic myths of the high seas. We're talking about mermaids, sirens, and modern sightings of both. But before we get into all that good stuff, let's talk about some news that's been going on lately. So I don't know if I've really mentioned it before on the pod, I think I did maybe in an episode where Chris and Mike were on, and Chris roasted Mike and I about being uh, Sabres fans. You know, that kind of sounds like it happened, but maybe I made it up. Anyway, the NHL draft happened a little bit ago, and the Sabres had the first overall pick after years of inadvertent and, you know, advertent sucking. And it's just been a lot of pain all around. And finally, we do get the number one pick. We missed out on it in some years with transcendent talent. This year, it seems like, you know, there's some good kids up top, but no one, like, they're going to hop in immediately. Face of the franchise type, like transformative powers. I'm not a huge NHL guru, so if I'm wrong, I apologize, but that's just the vibe I've been getting from what I read. Anyway, the uh, Sabres, you know, they seem to have done pretty well for themselves netting Owen Powers. He's six foot six, mountain of a man, and uh, by all accounts, you know, super stud defensive prospect. Just like really good to come in, top four guy right away on defense. Like, top four line guy on your team. Anyway, uh, they also traded away my guy, Samson Reinhardt. which, listen, I know he never quite lived up to his potential and the hype and all that, and the memes of his bromance with Jack Eichel kind of dried up pretty quick. But I'm still sad to see him go, and it does seem like the man Captain Jack also doesn't have much time remaining as a Saber, and uh, it's frankly surprising that he's still with the team. And don't take my word for that. Just Google Jack Idol" and every article that pops up is why is he still on the team? Why haven't the Sabres traded him yet? Is the market dwindling? Are they happy to have him? Or are they going to keep this going into the season? All that stuff. Seems like we are poised to pivot from one era of hope, misery to the dawn of a new age that appears to have much of the same in store for us. But I don't I mean, you know, maybe we turn it around finally. I don't know. It does seem like... Sabres have been fairly cursed of late, so we will see. More hockey news, and this is what got me kind of thinking about all this sports stuff, but one-time Sabre, Evander Kane, uh, he seems to be a fairly troubled guy. Before last season, it came out that he had a gambling problem and was in deep debt and might not participate in the shortened lockout season in order to kind of, like, get his uh, assets down to zero, so that way he didn't have to pay as much. was kind of the general... Sort of uh, a strategy it seemed to be going. But he did play. He played pretty well. And a uh, tough look for our guy. His wife. And now listen. it says It's strange estranged wife. It seems like they're going through a separation. Going through a divorce. So we have to take this with a grain of salt. But uh, his estranged wife has accused of entertain Of betting on NHL games. Including games he played. And she goes further to say. That he was throwing those games that he bet on. Purposefully. So she called him a compulsive gambling addict and called it crazy that he was allowed to still play in the NHL. And obviously, the NHL is investigating all this. And we will see what comes up. Because, you know, like I said, it could obviously be the words of a jilted former lover lashing out, trying to damage reputation during divorce proceedings, stuff like that. But also, like I said, he did very famously almost not play last year because of these outstanding gambling debt. And he was sued by a casino, in fact, for not paying off gambling debts. So, hopefully, he is able to get the help that he needs and get tr- back on track and that, you know, we, obviously, as sports fans, we hope nobody's betting on games that they're playing in. We'll just see. We'll see what happens with the investigation. We'll see what the future holds in that regard. Moving on. The NBA also had its draft recently, and, you know, I know the NHL draft did happen before that, and I didn't talk about it because... Um, you know, the Sabres season was so miserable, it really threw me off the hockey scent, uh, and then the Evander Kane news brought it back up for me. But for the NBA draft, nothing too super notable happened, really. Uh, the Raptors did go ahead and take Scotty Barnes over Jalen Subs at number four, which was, you know, I was pretty surprising in the moment, but there were some uh, signs that it had happened, so not like 100% a super shock. Uh, Jalen Subs though, does seem like he's really nice he does seem like he's going to be a great player and it seems like you know the magic another curse franchise have finally gotten a break and have like a legit good all-around NBA prospect who can emerge as a leading man and revive their franchise for the first time since the Dwight Howard the Dwight Howard trade of course there is also the Russell Westbrook to the Lakers trade very notable of course um there's three on paper superstars together Russ is, in fact, you know, he is incredible. He does his things well. Most uh, triple-doubles of all time brought the Wizards to the playoffs. Just plays with this crazy fire and repetitiveness that's infectious. And that could help for the regular season. You know, we've seen lately LeBron and Anthony Davis last year both be banged up. We've seen uh, LeBron maybe take it a little easy in the regular season, save himself for the playoffs. Definitely seemed like AD was doing that last year before his injury. So having Russ in there able to carry them day in day out just and even just like if he's not carrying them just having that competitiveness that fire that spark like that'll help everybody I think and help it keep it fresh and also that little wrinkle of like let's want let's win a ring for Russ you know that's gonna help guys too because he doesn't have one the issue the downside is he can't shoot at all and he hasn't shown the, the willingness to be a great defender he's shown the ability at times I guess not uh for long stretches and he makes a lot of mistakes, a lot of mental lapses, trying to do too much, but I guess you know like all the luck to him. I don't know that it helps out that much. But on paper it makes the Lakers look incredible. So with that said, it's going to be an absolutely insane off season for sure in the NBA. We got a lot of restricted agent uh free agents going on. We got a lot of Like, a superstar guy's opting out, but probably doing bad to their teams. We got a lot of teams with money, but not a lot of, like, great stars out there to grab. And, I mean, we're gonna see what happens there. It's gonna be crazy. With the news out of the way, let's get into some aquatic myths and legends that persist to this very day. Okay, so when we look at mythology, uh, one theme that kind of emerges across countries, across cultures, across nations across civilizations is that a lot of the creatures mentioned in these myths and these legends are basically humans but so giants for example pretty much in any cultures legends myths etc basically humans but big if we look at it like that and another thing is like chimeras which are human animal hybrids so obviously we got werewolves uh centaurs which are humans but half horse Satyrs and fawns are humans but half goat. And various shapeshifters of indigenous North and South American nations. And another commonality we see in worldwide folklore and oral traditions, legends, myths, stuff like that. Is dangerous creatures ranging from sea serpents and massive monsters to smaller things like uh, sirens and mermaids that we're talking about today. Inhabiting bodies of water. And that also made sense, I think, because if you look at it like this, the water is an incredibly dangerous place. Sure, there are people back then, people now, both incredibly talented swimmers uh, that grew up on the water, all this stuff, and yet people drown, you know, all the time. So it does make sense that there would be myths and legends explaining why people were so likely to drown. You're going to be like, there's a monster in the lake that's eating these people, like tricking them, that sort of thing. So I think that there's a lot of overlap with that when we talk about mermaids and sirens, because both are typically depicted or described as beautiful half-women creatures inhabiting the ocean and luring sailors, fishermen, and those near the water to their dooms and to their deaths. Sirens are creatures of ancient myth and feature prominently in stories like the Odyssey and the voyages of Jason and the Argonauts. In modern tellings, sirens are kind of conflated with mermaids, and a lot of them, they're like half fish or other sea creature thing, right? And even I said that at the top. However, in the original ancient Greek and early translations, they were clearly depicted as half bird, half woman creatures. And it wasn't their beauty that lured sailors, it was the knowledge they could bestow. According to Homer... The Sirens occupied a small island and sang saw so beautiful that they lured sailors and passing ships to their shores. And, you know, those sailors and ships that landed there were never seen again. So, like I said, they were depicted as half bird, half woman. And it checks out, if you look at, like, ancient pottery, ancient surviving sculptures, stuff like that. That is what they look like. You know, they're half, they look like harpies, basically. Some myths tell that the Sirens were the companions of Persephone. But once she went missing, kidnapped by Hades her mother Demeter gave them uh, wings to aid their search. And according to Dr. Emily Wilson, a classicist at the University of Pennsylvania, sirens gained their seductive powers not from their voluptuous bodies or incredible beauty, as many modern translations and interpretations of Greek Greek myths have shown them, but from the knowledge they could bestow on those who heard their songs. So it seems like, according to Dr. Wilson, that a lot of the time when the odyssey has been translated to modern audiences uh cultural belief that they were the sirens were mermaids has kind of permeated the translations and influenced them that way and so they're not like truly authentic to the early myths and uh poem so this idea that the sirens were seductive not for their beauty but for their knowledge is borne out in a modern series like percy jackson and the olympians which was my favorite series growing up. And in the second book, The Sea of Monsters, uh, it sort of echoes, well, I mean, it directly echoes and parallels the story of the Odyssey and Odysseus. So in The Sea of Monsters, uh, Percy's friend and the daughter of Athena, Annabeth Chase, seems to, or wants to listen to the Siren's song because doing so in that story will reveal your fatal or tragic flaw. So she has Percy tied her to the mast of their ship and plug his ears with I don't know if, I don't remember what, but plug his ears so that she can hear what her flaw is and hopefully counteract it and he'll be safe. And in the Odyssey, Odysseus does very similar. He instructs his sailors to tie him to the mast of the ship and fill their ears with beeswax because, um, you know, then they won't hear the songs, but he can. And he cries. He's like, let me out, let me out. Let me go get them. And they do not. They tie him tighter. And, you know, they escape through that. Now. Some tell that the sirens were fated to die if anyone escaped their songs, and so that they died after that. So that's one variation of the myth that the sirens died, and that's why we don't see them anymore. And unfortunately, because of that translation with mermaids, I ha- I didn't really find any modern-day sightings of sirens, per se. Whenever I searched for it, all that really came up were mermaids, or when you click it, it's like, Oh, siren's seen in XYZ place. It was a mermaid story. So uh, let's just get into mermaids, then. With mermaids, I feel like we all kind of know what we are talking about here, right? Uh, They're half fish, half uh, human upper half, fish tail going on in the bottom. You know, maybe not a fish tail specifically. It just has to be tail of an aquatic creature, like a whale, like a dolphin, like a porpoise, like a manatee maybe. Mm -hmm. Usually, typically, generally, the human half is a beautiful woman. Occasionally, it's a jat handsome dude. Uh, especially in mythology, not necessarily the case in sightings, but in mythology, that's what we're dealing with. And in that case, I suppose we would call them merman, or just merpeople, or merfolk. So in another one of my childhood favorites, the Sputterwood Chronicles, merfolk are depicted as much more fish and other sea creature-like than human. So uh, they're sort of similar to the Flying Dutchman crew, members, mates, crewmates in uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies so they have like shrimp and seahorse like tails for instance instead of uh, like Ariel's tail if you remember The Little Mermaid and if you are into fantasy type stuff I definitely recommend checking out the field guide that they wrote in conjunction with the series which is for kids so I don't know how well it holds up now but the field guide definitely holds up and that is Arthur Spiderwood's field guide to the fantastical world around you and that is by Holly Black and Tony Ditter Lizzie. I hope I got that one right. And it's amazing because the illustrations are just like, they're really cool. They're just very interesting and atypical for what you would tip, like what would you would see um, from that genre, I guess. And that is really true. Like the elves, the sprites, the pitsies, the mermaids, and stuff like that. They just look awesome. So anyway, like giants and other stuff. Mermaids and similar creatures appear all over the place in human mythology. That includes, you know, like Mesopotamian and cultures of the Middle East and the Mediterranean, but also various African, Arabian, and Asian civilizations. Uh, European nations, such as Ireland and England, and even uh, landlocked Eastern European nations had myths featuring mermaid-like creatures as well. And there is a city in Austria, I believe... That has like a myth that a mermaid is going to come and save the city from destruction. And so they have like mermaid on their. I forget if they have a statue of a mermaid or a flag with a mermaid on it. Anyway, sorry about that people. Thought I wrote it down. It's not in my notes. Uh, various indigenous peoples of the Pacific Islands. The Mori people. Uh, indigenous indigenous populations. Indigenous nations. Civilizations in the uh, US and Caribbean also had myths including water spirits that have some similarities to the mermaid myth. Basically, chimera-like, like like half-man, half-fish, half-woman, half-fish creatures that lure people to their deaths. And they do, obviously, we're oversimplifying here because they're just similarities. They're not the same myths, and I'm not, like, you know, obviously they're different. And it's a broad brush not I'm painting with and they're all unique and beautiful in their own ways, and it's important to note that, but there are these interesting worldwide parallels nonetheless. So you would think, you know, mermaids, very fantastical, right? There's no way they could survive. Like a creature that's half human, half fish, they could not survive, um, even if they weren't really half man, half fish, if they were like some sort of actual biological creature, because the ocean's really cold, they'd need to have a lot of fat, they would look completely different than potatoes like we've been told that they look from these stories so you'd probably think that sightings were just relegated to ancient days when people weren't up on it they didn't know as much as us right they weren't as uh on point as us which i would dispute that but whatever uh but that's not the case in general because mermaid sightings persist to this day and have been pretty much going like not just ancient times and then picking up today they've been going ancient times early times Contemporary times, modern times. So, here are some notable examples from throughout human history, right? Here's what we know number one piece of human garbage, monstrosity, terrible person, evil. Christopher Columbus reportedly encountered mermaids while sailing around what is the modern day Dominican Republic. And he described them, or, well, he said, they're not half as beautiful as described. Modern historians have dismissed this story by saying he must have seen a manatee or three manatees. Which is basically the explanation we get for sightings of Merfolk. Basically, we're just told that, you know, these sailors have been sailing all over the ocean for so long. that They're all horned up and they're seeing manatees, sea lions, seals, other sort of sea creatures and confusing them with beautiful women and mermaids. So that's kind of weird. I don't know. that's possible but that's what we're told you know they were just seeing other things saying that there are mermaids telling tall tales telling fishermen's tales that sort of thing so in addition to columbus two other famous explorers had mermaid encounters of their very own henry hudson who's sort of a local favorite here in the great state of new york also reportedly encountered a mermaid this time in 1608 and that is according to his very own logbook. unlike columbus this sighting Reportedly did match the hype. And uh, the mermaids were beautiful. They had the upper half of beautiful women. And the lower half of a porpoise. According to Hudson's men. And they also were careful to point out the the breasts of the mermaid. So I don't know sea creatures that have breasts. But maybe they were just making shit up. I don't know. Another famous guy. Captain John Smith. Probably most famous for most people for marrying Potahannis. he also apparently encountered some mermaids in 1611, and again, unlike Columbus, uh, this encounter included a not unattractive woman—or sorry, a not unattractive woman—in his own words, with the upper half of a you know of a woman and the bottom half of a sea creature, in this case, a fish. I believe in uh, Henry Hudson's one, they had. The lower half of a porpoise, according to the report, and that's just kind of weird, you know. To Ben, trusted with bait expeditions, explorations, reporting to see mythical sea creatures. Now, could this be a case of them trying to sell their lobs when they make it back home, trying to sell their journals of their exploration of their discovery and embellishing them with some tall tales, some lurid tales, to get the boost, the numbers? Maybe I don't know. I'd have to review them closer, you know, like, see if there's other stories that are like this, other stories of obvious myths. I know that Henry Hudson, when he sailed up the Hudson River, reported that um, there were basically fairies, like, gnome-like creatures in the Catskill Mountains. So, maybe he was just inclined to believe in myths. Maybe he was actually encountering these creatures. Maybe the world was much more magical back then. It's possible. It's it's also crazy, because it's like, they both pointed out that they were women on the top half and beautiful while Plumbus was like, they're not half as beautiful as described. You know, sea creatures are pretty in their own way. But I don't think you're mistaking them for mermaids as you see them. Like, I just don't think that's what's going on. But I don't know. I've never seen a mermaid. I've never thought I did. So maybe people just aren't seeing things right. But there are some more modern sightings of mermaids if we want to dig into those. And I think that we do. I think that we do. So... In 1943, you know, deep during World War II, the Japanese Navy was occupying the, I believe this is pronounced, Kai Islands in Indonesia. It might be K. It's K-E-I in English. And apparently the men stationed there had some encounters with what are dubbed the Iran-Ikan by the locals. And the Iran-Ikan do differ somewhat from traditional mermaid depictions. Uh, but they are in keeping with our chimeric Aquatic Creature Human Hybrid vibe going on. Indonesians also have a Bigfoot-like uh, creature called the Orang Pendak. So you know that's a nice little Orang Orang sort of. Uh, I guess it jives the two nuts. I would assume that Orang means like man because apparently the Orang can translates to manfish. So I would imagine it's like man ape anyway. So the Orang Ican are described as having spikes on their spines, shoulders, and nets pink skin like salmon, mouths like a carp, long arms, and fraud like legs, so no fish tail. legs with talons. Very bizarre, very, very, very weird. So anyway, the Japanese occupational forces apparently had a bunch of run-ins with these creatures, including some, you know, seeing them on land, they would get a couple of them up on their net, fish like fishing, and they would catch them in the net. A sergeant named Taro Horeba suggested if any villagers captured the Arane I can, dead or alive, to contact him immediately. And so supposedly he did get to see one for himself, and you know he gave us that description above with the like mouth, all that stuff. And then the story goes that after the war, he tried to convince the scientific community of these creatures' existence, and that was not possible. So if we keep going forward, we keep marching closer, or closer to today. Uh, we're far away from tropical vistas we're used to associating with mermaid myths. So in 1967, a ferry full of people in British Columbia apparently saw a beautiful mermaid with the top half of a blonde woman and the bottom half of a porpoise. And it was like sitting on the shore. And then it was like swimming around doing stuff for them. And uh, So to me, when I looked at this one, it did seem to be a publicity stunt because there is a photo of this woman and it just looks fake and uh the ferry company offered a reward and it just seemed like like the ferry company was trying to get people to go on their ferry cruises their tours stuff like that and like maybe the local government was trying to attract people up there but if you do doodle, you can go on doodle type in 1967 british columbia canada mermaid and it does come up and you can judge for yourself if it's fake um, in 1998 in hawaii Ten passengers on a boat apparently witnessed a mermaid swimming all around them, doing a few jumps, and then it disappeared. So the main witness in this case was a guy named Jeff Leiter, who I think was driving the boat, and then he dives down a little bit later in the day after the mermaid disappeared. And he's like, oh my god, she jet-passed me, so I snapped a photo. He got one, and it's just a silhouette of, like, a mermaid-type creature. And this photo has allegedly been identified by, um, like, independent experts as authentic. So... I don't know, you know, I'm not an independent expert, I don't know, again, when I look at it, it looks pretty fake, but if you search 1998, Kailua Kona on Google, Google, the image will come up, and you can judge for yourself, Um, I'll spell that, but it's 1998, K-A-I-L-U-A-K-O-N-A, and you can judge for yourself if it's fake, you can Call yourself an independent expert if you want. I don't care. But if we jump into the 21st century, we do get some more mermaid encounters, reportedly, if you can believe it. 2009, there was um, apparently a mermaid of a young girl. So a young mermaid, I guess, I would assume, uh, that would do tricks around Kirat Yam in Israel. And so it got to the point where the Israeli government offered a reward of $1 million for proof of the creature's existence. And so, locals of the area reported that it would kind of, like, do trips and sort of, like... I guess, like, play keep away with uh, local fishermen and, uh, like, beach if that makes sense. And the reward, of course, does remain unclaimed 12 years later. The proof didn't even have to be, like, the body of that mermaid. It just had to be a photo and still unsatisfactory to the Israeli government. So, if you, I mean, if you search mermaid sightings... A ton of stuff comes up, but those are the big ones uh, that I was able to find. Those are, like, the famous so those are, like the famous stories that you'll see online. Those are the big ones that I guess have multiple witnesses. That's probably what mostly makes them stand out and probably why that they come up when you search for mermaid sightings on blogs and stuff like that. But I don't really know what to do with the mermaid thing. I know I believe in, like, I believe in ghosts. I believe in UFOs. Um, the aliens are here visiting Earth and doing stuff. But for whatever reason, mermaids are just a bridge too far, and I can't get, I can't buy in, I don't believe in mermaids, but it is very fascinating and very interesting to me nonetheless. That's pretty much all I got for today. Not too much to add. Um I thought that was a nice little topic because gotta do a little bit of history, gotta do a little bit of mythology, gotta do a little bit of weird, wacky, cryptid sightings, and so that's kind of my sweet spot. I was trying to enter that. So I'm thinking, okay, so like I said last episode, no episode next week, I'm going to be on vacation, I'm going to be in Colorado, so I won't be able to record anything, but I'm thinking when I get back, um, I already have the topic planned, and I think it's going to be, it's one of two things, and I'm going to put a poll up and let you guys decide. I could keep into this t- kind of aquatic monster idea type of thing, and go with the aquatic ape theory, Talk like, you know, keep on track, or... And, you know, that's one I'm maybe leaning towards at the moment. Maybe a deep dive into the uh, Tim Donahue, like, rating uh, NBA games, betting on game scandal, or NBA conspiracy theories in general. Kind of with that as the center point and then talking about other NBA conspiracy theories. So I think either of those could be fun and should be awesome. Anyway, as always, if you did what you're hearing, make sure you hop on, give us five stars on the... Podcast platform of your choice, mostly Apple Podcasts, because that's what I see. Uh, makes me feel good, looks cool, and you know what? Actually, we did get one recently, and it's the first one that's, like, really, truly random. I have no idea who this person is, so I do want to shout them out. Sherbert Head, they wrote a really nice five-star review. I'm not going to read it because I'll be a little embarrassed, but it was really nice, and I appreciate it. And if you're listening, Sherbert Head, Bait Shouts, huge Huge blow up for me. Thank you. And I really appreciate your words of encouragement and feedback. So for everyone else, you know, do the same. Make me feel good. I'd love it. And if you want to keep hearing me be funny, see some memes, see some of that stuff, follow the pod on Instagram. That way also, you know, I put a lot of polls and stuff up there. So you can get involved with maybe choosing topics and things like that. So on Instagram, it is at tea underscore obsessed underscore podcast and on Twitter it is at High T O Podcast and I think if you search High T Obsessed or High T Obsessed Podcast, we should show up. Oh you know what? I forgot to do reviews and uh recommendations. Let's see, so this week I would like to recommend the Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendade. And that is a just like absolutely engrossing horror novel. It sucked me right in and I've had a hard time kind of locking into a book. So I've been having a hard time finding a fiction book that grabs me because I've been reading so much non-fiction lately but this one just pulled me right in and it is like very unsettling and creepy and scary so if you're into that kind of thing that genre definitely check it out and that is again the book of accidents by Chuck Wendate all right so you know I got packing to do I gotta get out of here so I will catch y'all on the flippity flop peace